listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Mission family. Five years. I can't believe it. Look around you. Look around you. Look at what God has done. With the adversity this church has faced, the only explanation for why we are still standing and as strong as we are is because God is not done with this church yet. God isn't done with Redlands yet. Which means we have work to do, right? We have work to do. But this morning, the work can wait because we are celebrating what God has done in this house. This family and what God is still currently doing among us is what we are celebrating. We have so much to be grateful for, and we just can't. Stop, won't stop praising him for it. Amen? Amen. 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 Mission family, you're five now, right? You're five. You're growing up. You're not all grown up, but you're growing up. You're growing up, right? And uh, man, it's been a while since I've been the dad of a five-year-old. Um. You know, my kids are, are 11 and 8, and uh, so those, those early years are kind of a blur, actually, when I think about it. And uh, so it's, it, it's been a while since I've been the dad of a 5-year-old, so I, I felt like I needed to do some research um, into what you should probably, what you should expect when you're expecting a 5-year-old, right? So, um, so this is what I found. Every child develops at their own pace, uh, There are certain milestones that you can expect most children, 90 to 95%, to achieve by their fifth birthday. By the age of five, a child can do most of the gross motor skills. They can jump high, excluding you, Ricardo, (laughs) um, run, climb well, do more advanced movements like ballet. Chris is really good at ballet Um, and, and gymnastics. And karate, even. And five-year-olds can draw a triangle. See, Carlos, you're going to be able to draw that long, that long uh, awaited triangle, right? And, and, uh, <laughs> and oh, man. <laughs> and usually... Um, have preferred or have a preferred writing hand by now. Uh, you'll be preparing your child for kindergarten, right? Most teachers want kindergartners to know how to hold a pencil correctly and to be able to use safety scissors, which we'll practice later on in the year. I promise. So I'll get with you guys and we'll practice that. And and with language skills, your child is able to express uh, themselves more clearly. They're able to give. Uh, explanations and retell stories and put together sentences to make themselves understood. 
When it comes to behavior, your five-year-old is, is comfortable with a little more independence. Independence, right? Which means they enjoy being around other family members and friends more. Your child is about to, uh, your, uh, your child is all about testing boundaries. No, no, no. Your child is all about testing boundaries and might even determine things on, uh, demand to do things on their own. See, here's what I'm, here's what I'm getting at with all of this, you guys. Here's what I'm getting at. You're coming into your own as a church. You're coming into your own. Uh, you're more independent. You can communicate well. You can even uh, do karate. I mean, seriously, within the blink of an eye, I'm going to have to talk to you guys about how your body is changing. Um, you're coming into your own mission church. We're in the developmental stage where we are about to step out into the big wide world and show them who we are. Independence means you have begun the process of taking what you have learned and have been given so far in life and applying it on your own to the world around you. This is huge, right? This is huge. We, we have uh, been in a sermon series recently called This Is Us, and piece by piece, we have begun breaking down our identity statement as a church, which is, if you haven't heard it already, which I know all of you have, um, we are a growing community living out God's radical love. Most of you probably already have that memorized and are beginning to just say it in your sleep, right? Like, like oh, I'm growing community, living out God's radical love, right? You're saying it in your sleep. But for today, on our five-year anniversary as a church, I think the question we need to ask ourselves is, where and with whom are we living out God's radical love? Where? And with whom are we living out God's radical love? If we are coming into our own as a church and beginning to take these things that we have learned and been given, these things that we have seen and heard, as Dr. Mark so eloquently put it last week, then we, then where we are going, we are living out this radical love that we talk so much about. Where are we living this radical love that we talk so much about? It's a good question because I think most of us within our church body have uh, at least begun to grasp the width, height, breadth of how deep the Father's love truly is for us. The problem is we're hoarding it. We are keeping it to ourselves we aren't taking it anywhere, which doesn't make our, ra- our love, this doesn't make our love radical. It makes it selfish. See, Jesus knew that if people were going to learn about how much God loved them, he had to take the love to them. He had to seek them out. I don't really think while Jesus was on this earth, he actually had a comfort zone per se, 
After all, before he was on earth, he lived in heaven, right? And, and after you've lived in heaven, I'm pretty sure that the earth in no way, shape, or form is comfortable to you, <laughs> right? But, but for us, taking the radical love of God to the people who so desperately need it can sometimes be way outside of our comfort zone. But being a Christ follower means we are learning to follow Jesus' example, Right? And, and lest we forget the book of Luke, Jesus made it very clear that he came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Seek and save the There we go. You guys are with me, finally. Third time's a charm. He came to seek and save the lost. Turn to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Uh, here we find Jesus where he often was with the people their society had deemed the lowest of the low. We're talking drunkards, prostitutes, tax collectors, which were kind of like the Tony Sopranos of the day, right? Um, adulterers, people with diseases and so on. Uh, through meeting Jesus and drastic life transformation, some of these social outcasts even entered into Jesus' circle of close friends. But this really upset the Jewish religious leaders in this day because Jesus was of Jewish descent and they could not wrap their minds around why they would want to, why he would want to be around such people. This is the tone that that opens Luke chapter 15. So let's check it out, beginning at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my, that, my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. So let's stop right there. Verse 1 opens by saying the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. I think some food for thought would be, are you the type of Christian that unsaved people like to be around? I'm not going to take that any further. (laughs) But you should think about it because Jesus actually was. The Pharisees, which were those Jewish religious leaders that we spoke of earlier began to grumble because Jesus was interacting with people who they deemed unclean. And, 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 only, and not only were they unclean, but because Jesus was hanging out with them and eating with such people, that made Jesus unclean too. They said, this man receives sinners. 
So Jesus tells them this story about the lost sheep, and, and this is one of my favorite stories Jesus tells in the Bible. Jesus says to them, which of you having a hundred sheep wouldn't go after the one that got lost? Wouldn't you leave the other 99 in safety and go after the one that got lost until you found it? See, what Jesus is saying is that to a shepherd, each one of his sheep has profound value to him. A good shepherd knows his sheep, and when one gets lost, they wouldn't just like chalk it up as a loss, you know, they, they, they wouldn't just say like, oh, that one was kind of dumb anyways. Like, he kind of he had it coming, you know, like, I, I didn't want to look after that guy anymore anyways. You know, no, it, it's a shepherd's job to provide care and safety for his sheep. And when one is lost, the good shepherd goes after the one until he, it is found, until it's safe within his care again. And when this good shepherd finds his lost sheep, not only does he rejoice, but he calls together the whole community to rejoice with him. And Jesus brings this story home by saying, I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This whole story has been a picture of how God is pursuing his beloved creation, his beloved children who have gotten lost somewhere along the way. And Jesus says to the, that the whole community of heaven rejoices when one lost sinner is found and repents. And that there is more rejoicing in heaven over that one soul that was lost and is now found than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance or more clearly think they need no repentance, right? That, that, was, that was meant to sting the Pharisees a little, right? Mission family. Mission family who are already Christ followers, I want to talk to you directly for a moment if, if you will allow me to. Actually, I have the mic, so I'm allowed. <laughs> I want to talk to you directly. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the offensive behaviors of our lost brothers and sisters that we allow our feelings of being offended to overtake our desire to see them found by Jesus. We're so quickly to boycott bad behavior that offends us that we forget beneath the exterior of those behaviors is a soul that is crying out to be found. And this isn't just our church. This is the church worldwide. And unlike the Pharisees, Jesus sets the example of seeing past all that to the condition of their heart. That's radical love. See, radical love says, I lay down my choice to be offended and I will pursue your heart as Jesus did. We, would need, we, we need to allow ourselves to begin to feel the weight of people's eternity again. 
and follow the example of Christ by getting outside of our comfort zone and seeking to save the lost through the work of Jesus Christ. And, and don't think for a moment that I don't know how risky what I'm asking you to do is. I really do know how risky it is. It's a scary thing. It's actually a lot easier to get on a plane and go overseas and tell people that God loves them. It's a lot easier to do that than to tell your neighbor that, for sure. It's scarier because you are guaranteed to see your neighbor in your driveway or at the grocery store again, right? (laughs) But if we allow ourselves to push through the first bit of awkwardness and continue to pursue your neighbor with love and kindness, they will see God's radical love lived in you. Because you pursue them with it. Just as the good shepherd pursues his lost sheep. Mission Church, this is my charge to you. This is where we are going. This is who we are becoming. We are a growing community living out God's radical love in our homes, schools, jobs, coffee shops, pubs, gas stations, and anywhere else you can think of. It's time we got our hands dirty and stopped thinking about what people will think of us. That the example that Jesus set would be the example that we set. He ate with social outcasts and was sneered by self-righteous religious leaders. This is the Jesus we serve. And he said in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And Jesus laid down his life willingly on the cross for our sins and shame. I want to talk directly right now as we begin to conclude. I want to talk directly now to the people in the room who are feeling lost. Who are, who are feeling lost. Maybe you're here and you're like, that lost sheep that Jesus spoke of, that's me. I don't know how it happened or why, but I... I just feel lost. And I want to tell you something. You have a mission family that will never stop loving you, no matter what. And there is a God in heaven that will never stop pursuing you. Sometimes he has to wait until you are so weak that you finally stop running. And when you stop running, he will pick you up. He'll gently put you on his shoulders and carry you back home. And when that happens, all of heaven will rejoice. So I want to give you the opportunity to stop running right now.
If that's you, if you're running, whether you have been a, whether, whether you're already a believer or you're a believer uh, or, or, or you're not a believer, if you are feeling the Lord speak to your heart right now and you just feel like, that's me. I am lost and I don't know where to go. I am lost and I don't know where to turn. Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I've, I've, I've totally been there. And I guarantee many of the people in this room have been there. If you found yourself lost at one time or another, would you just raise your hand? Look around. You're not alone. So if, if this is you that the Lord has laid on my heart, which I believe there is someone here that is just like, I don't know where to turn. I want you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it in your heart. But if you do pray this prayer for the first time, I would love the opportunity to just hug you or shake your hand, whichever you're comfortable with. If this is you, pray this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins, my self-centeredness, and every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Savior and Lord. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your life. And help me to become a person who is truly loving. A person like you. Restore me, Jesus. Live in me. Love through me. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So again, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love to just talk with you for a minute after service. Right now we're going to call our ushers forward to receive our, our, uh, our offering and tithes. We believe deeply at the Mission Church that all that we have comes from the Father's hand. And so we, we don't, we couldn't, what could we give God, right? 
because he's given us everything we have. So we bring before him what he has already given us. So let's pray over this time. Jesus, we bring before you what is already yours. We ask you to receive it. Lord, we ask you to send it out to our neighbors and the nations, Lord. That you would build your kingdom through it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.